Dennis Sarfate making his first appearance. What will you do to defend the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Welcome to the Green Dragon Tavern, where we talk a little treason. I'm Zach Lautenschlager, and joining me today as a guest host to fill in for Dennis is John Root. John, it's a pleasure to have you. Thanks for joining today. Thanks so much for having me. It's going to be great. John is a contributor at uh, Turning Point USA and has always been a strong conservative who's well-versed in politics and culture while being well-grounded in his faith. John and I have worked together on a, on a couple things, a couple smaller things, and now it's a pleasure to, uh, to work together here. We appreciate you filling in. Yeah, obviously the conversations we're going to be having today are not fun conversations, uh, but no, I think they're not. important conversations to have and um, always appreciate the open, awesome honest discussion to find a way to make a way forward. Well, that is important. It's important to be able to talk about things that, that aren't pleasant um, and things that may be difficult because that's how we find solutions. Um, the uh, perspective that says there are certain things we can't talk about, certain things you can't talk about is just wrong. I'm sorry it's wrong. Uh, are there things that, uh, that, shouldn't be, uh, that shouldn't be said? Can we yell fire in a crowded theater? Um, not if we're endangering, uh, truly endangering lives, but can we talk about the fact that it's wrong to yell fire in a crowded theater? Yes, we can. In fact, that's how that's how you solve serious problems and serious abuse. This week, it's hard to find uh, yourself not talking about the Nashville shooting. Um, that's the tragedy there and the uh, multiple cascading levels of effects uh, are going to be felt for a while. Um, because uh, I am uh, a Presbyterian, I attend and a member of a Presbyterian church, I have uh, friends who are uh, friends with uh, the Scruggs, uh, one of the families that lost uh, a little girl, Hallie. Um, now, I don't know them, and I didn't know that this mutual friend had uh, attended church uh, when uh, Chad Scruggs pastored in Dallas at Park Cities. I believe that was the name of the church. Uh, but it is... Uh, it, it touches close to home. It really does. Um, when you when you look at and now you can watch uh, the the horrific body cam footage. I can't watch it without crying. Um, and just see the that level of tragedy unfold. And I will say from the start, um, it is equally as tragic uh, that Audrey Hale lost her life in that setting. Was that an evil act? Yes, it was. Um, but for the grace of God, there go I, it, regardless of what sin we're talking about. Um, there is no way to stand back and say that, uh, you know, that I'm better than that. Um, I'm not. I'm a fallen sinful human being. The horrible reality is that we have acquiesced to a mental illness that is promoted as a virtue. It's promoted as a solution to your problems. Now, I'm not, no one is suggesting what level of mental illness or where that mental illness goes for every single person, but gender, gender dysphoria has been a mental illness for a long time. It's been recognized under that name for a long time. Yeah, and that's the difficult thing here is we, if you look up gender dysphoria, just Google it. Obviously, you can't really trust Google much anymore. We haven't been able to trust Google for a long time. But if you look that up, it's not really going to say a mental disorder anymore. Um, basically, the way that the scientific community is now phrasing things, it's a lot of it's just based off feelings and based off unscientific data. We know that through the entire pandemic, um, 
where everything has just gotten politicized. And that's exactly what's happening here with the transgender issue. Uh, you and I care deeply about the transgender community because we want them to know the truth. And right. I think as Christians, we're the group that loves them the most. And that's a controversial statement right now because we're the only person and people that give them the truth. We love them enough to make sure that we are not buying in and trying to ally with their delusion because that's exactly what it is. But if you look up some of these articles online, they will tell you now that gender dysphoria is not a mental disorder. And they will even say, go back to the foundation here, transgenderism, which I think I would agree with John MacArthur when I say there's no such thing as a transgender person. You are as you're born. You're either XY or you're XX. But there's people out there that are trying to say that transgenderism is not gender dysphoria. The only way that you are considered um, a part of the group that has gender dysphoria is if some sort of trauma led to that. And then that becomes a, what's the definition of trauma? And then even if, even if you get to that point where it's now gender dysphoria, gender dysphoria is not seen as a mental illness anymore. So uh, media and these super powerful groups with a lot of influence and money behind them, either on the political side um, or uh, you got elites that are working with them to try to make sure that this minority group is protected at all costs. They're going to try to make sure they protect them. And I think plain and simple, we could agree on this, that this was just an evil act, regardless of what identity they believe that they are a part of or what group they are a part of. This is an evil act and is the di direct result of living in a fallen world. And also another thing that I believe to be a fact, even though we don't have the full manifesto um, out, I don't understand why that's not being released, but this was an attack on Christians, plain and simple. Intentionally. Yes, yeah, there's. You, it, it's, it's really hard to challenge that manifesto, published or not. Um, it, it, it was an attack on a Christian school because of the people that were there. Um, that's pretty hard to deny. Yep. Now, other things that are really important to note and to, to note as, as caveats or whatever you want to call it, of course, um, gender dysphoria does not mean um, the person is a mass murderer. And you weren't Correct. saying that. You weren't suggesting that. But when you talk Absolutely. about this, you really have to, we all have to overstate, as you have been as well. We have to make it very clear. We have, you have to overstate the caveats. Last thing we want to um, do is paint with a broad brush, because I think that's correct. what people are starting to do online is... Exactly. Well, is... On both sides. Yeah. Is every single white, straight male uh, a mass murderer? Of course not. Uh, and then when you're talking about gun laws or these identity groups or whatever you want to call them, we're not painting with that broad brush. Uh, but if we just right. talk about the facts of the way the scientific community talks about transgenderism, right. which leads to gender dysphoria, which would lead to, as it's been known for our entire lives until very recently, gender dysphoria was seen as a mental illness. Um, and, well, yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. I'm sorry. Uh, just to be clear, um, the fact that someone is born with a proclivity to a, to certain tastes or, or or desires on any level, we're not just talking sexual. Kleptomania can be a, a very can present very early, and it, it you could argue that a person is born with a proclivity to take things that are not theirs. That does not mean that we're going to create a new class of people who are 
trans owners or whatever you want to call it. This is, this is not the, the fact that we are born with a desire to, to do things that the Bible says are wrong. Okay. Whether, whatever perspective you want to take, we all agree. Everyone actually agrees that some people are born with a desire to do things that the Bible says are wrong. And in fact, Christianity teaches and the Bible teaches, and, and John and I would both agree that every single human being is born with a desire to do things that the Bible says are wrong. That's mm-hmm. what sinful nature means. This is why this is why we cannot you cannot accept a perspective that says this is now a protected class. This is this is reality. The the feelings that you have that you may have been born with. Now, does that mean that every single person who um, begins to think maybe I'm trans or maybe I'm gay or whatever other terminology there is, because as we know, the the terminology is being invented by the minute. Um, Does that mean that every person who may find themselves or think they're in that situation uh, was born that way? Well, obviously not. Um, And many people have pointed out that that children (laughs) play and imagine all kinds of things. They are they are exploring all of this. Um, When I wanted to be a pirate, and when I said I was a pirate, I'm thankful that no one cut off my arm. You can identify as whatever you want now. So if you want to identify right. as a pirate for this show, you you go for it. Our matey. <laughs> well, I, I have I have thought about getting uh, you know getting um, you could call it um, calling reassignment surgery. Could could, <laughs> could have my have an eye out and, and take care of a few other problems like having a having a right hand is is definitely is dragging me down. <laughs> now we can we can talk a little bit lightheartedly about that it's not a lighthearted subject and no. unfortunately the topic of the shooting isn't lighthearted i want to be careful about making jokes i'm the one doing it not you um uh, but the the reality is why do we chuckle about that we chuckle about it because someone who actually goes to that level there are still things we would say yeah that that that's a little crazy we shouldn't we shouldn't approve of someone mutilating themselves not in the sense that well there should be a law against that no one, no one's suggesting that at this point. Uh, I'm not, not necessarily. Um, but does that mean that as a society we're going to say, just like you just said, it, um, lightheartedly, go for it. You can, you, you can be whatever you want to be. Do we really mean that? Do we really mean that it's okay to become, let's say, a mass murderer? No, we all, we all disagree. We all say that that's wrong. That's bad. That's a bad thing to do. Yeah. In fact, we, and we all agree that that's not necessarily um, where all, every mental illness leads. But we agree that that is a mental illness, that it is mental, mentally unstable. And then everybody starts to feel like there is some sort of oppressor. Uh, that, that's what's happening. So uh, John Bezinger, he's got a great church out here in Arizona, Redeemer Bible Church. And he said that this is, he tweeted out, this is a direct result of critical social justice. And I couldn't agree more because you now have more yep. information that's coming out that mainstream media is trying to blame the mass shooters' parents for not accepting their kid as a transgender. And then now you have the transgender community that hates Christians. Again, we're not saying that every single transgender or anybody that's a part of the LGBTQIA community is wanting that at all. But there is getting to a point where there's, I know that's another thing we're going to talk about is this basically just 
Trans Day of, of Vengeance that is that is coming up here, and it's yeah Trans Day uh, Trans Day of Vengeance, and it's stop the trans genocide. Some of the things that these groups are looking to now now that pastors, overseers, shepherds of flocks are actually speaking out against this. They're saying, no, we love you enough to tell you the truth. And also this ideology is being welcomed through the front door, as Daryl B. Harrison would say at Grace to You, John MacArthur's church. He had a great uh, breakout session uh, talking about wokeness and how it's affecting the church and our culture. These ideologies are being welcomed in the front door of the church. Now that it's being talked about, you have people like the Young Turks. That group is told about three days ago, I think, three, four days ago, was telling transgenders to start taking up arms because right-wingers are violently going to take you out. Like this kind of rhetoric is leading to potentially... Um, I, I can't say for sure. Still, there's there's some speculation here, but we haven't seen the full manifesto, but we know that specifically a Christian school was targeted, a Christian school that this shooter went to. And then now you have transgenders that are thinking, who is the biggest oppressor? Not just right-wingers, not just conservatives, but conservative Christians. And it's leading to lives being stolen and just violently taken away and it's disgusting. And I think we have to find a way as Christians to come together and we're not going to, as two a believing Christian conservatives, we don't fight back against this ideology with guns. We fight back with the truth of God's word. And that's what we have to continue to do. And my heart just breaks for the families here, but plain and simple Christians are becoming seen as a hate group. And plain and simple, again, this was a hate crime against what the media and these groups are trying to call a hate group. That's what Christianity is starting to become in American society. It's dangerous and it's it's terrifying to see. You know, the there's always um, a danger of one bad actor being used as an example and a, and a, a flashpoint, if you will, or a, a touchstone for demonstrating that everybody who is in the category that we place this person, whoever they are, is it the same way. And you see it again and again and again. You see inferences, you see direct references made, direct, you know, not just inferring, but directly referencing. Um, Certain individuals, you know, if someone who professes to be a Christian happens to commit a mass shooting, and there have been some, people are quick to point out that, well, that's, you know, there are problems with that. There are problems with with Christianity. There are problems with with conservatism. There are problems with white males. Um, These are things that have been said. Um, Unfortunately, um, when the tables are turned, that goes away for a few minutes. It goes away for a few minutes. Now, as we've already said, and we will say again, no one is suggesting that every uh, trans person is violent and wants to go yeah, commit not mass murder. Not suggesting that of course at not. all. Of course not. But here's what I am suggesting. In fact, I'm not suggesting it. I'm saying it. Mm-hmm. An ideology that repeatedly teaches people that if someone disagrees with you, they're oppressing you. Yeah. If someone says what you're doing is wrong, they're oppressing you. If someone believes that a certain activity is is wrong, it's oppression. I'm sorry, it's not. That's not true. If that was true, 
then the very act of saying that would be oppressive. Yeah. So where does it stop? Where does it stop? Either there is objective truth, and certain things are true and certain things are not based on that objective truth. Either there's objective right and wrong, or it's open season. Either um, the white males who professed Christianity, who did, who have committed mass murder in past, were evil and vile, and those act- actions were wrong, or they're not, and therefore there's, there's not a problem. So which way is it? If we're going to say that it, we can be whatever we want to be, that it doesn't matter, that, that you can deny the plain reality that God says that trying to be the gender that, you, that he did not create you is wrong, Okay, that's just, that is, everyone agrees that God, well, not everyone. Unfortunately, there are people who profess Christ who say that God didn't say that. Yep. Sorry, that's that's the most outrageous, ridiculous position. You cannot take it seriously. You cannot agree. take that position seriously. Um, any serious person who wants to know what, what the God of the Bible says has to agree, yeah, he says that's wrong. He says that's wrong. Now we can we can talk about what should be done about it. There can we have debates. That's all. That's that's a different discussion. But the discussion over whether or not God says homosexuality is wrong, He does. He does. So now, what are we going to do with that? That's the question. And if the way we fight back is by telling people, well, anybody who tells you God says that is oppressing you, um, then where does it logically go? Where does that logically end? Are there people who are who are, they are in serious trouble. They are sick. They need help. And instead of getting help, they're told, you're being oppressed. You should fight back. What is someone who is, who is not in a good place mentally going to do with that kind of messaging? That's the question. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, and then you just start weaponizing people, where it's like you have to take it into your own hands, which is a... Absolutely. And then you see something like this again, too, we're, we're not painting with that broad brush, but we are seeing way too many things that are happening in our society that you need to be the one that takes up arms and not not fighting back with legislation, not fighting back with having fruitful discussions, not fighting fact, back with truth. discussions. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of times it's just shut down where it's just like, no, you are a hate group. And I will absolutely never listen to anything you have to say. That's what happens now with you have leftism. They won't even give you the opportunity to have a discussion. And that's what I can appreciate. Uh, people can have their gripes with Charlie Kirk. Um, and they might not agree with the way that he goes about things very bluntly. But in general, Charlie always, at every single one of his events, him and Candace, uh, the Daily Wire crew, anytime that they are going and speaking on a campus, they say, if you disagree, and Dennis Prager says it too, come to the front of the line, please. And they're providing open dialogue um, with these people. And, and they're freely giving them the mic because that doesn't happen anymore. We can't agree to disagree anymore. And something you bring up too is this idea of subjective truth versus objective truth. You can't even have the left define what wokeism is because in general, in about a year or two, it's going to change. The goalpost constantly moves. Right. This group is now like, that's why you see the the pride flag just start changing colors and shapes. And they add these, these other things here. Um, because all these groups now need to be together because you are a protected class, you are a protected minority. And when you have the weaponization of 
of groups. And you're even seeing that in just political parties too. Like you just see tribalism all over the place. This isn't just about, you know, sexual identity. You now have people that if you disagree with the way that the system is set up, we are luckily in a constitutional republic where we can fight back where people represent us and we have a power in the people uh, through our laws. We don't take up arms here against groups like we just saw here in, in Nashville and start taking justice into your own hands. We saw that with BLM too. Oh, we need to take justice in our hands. The best way to build back better is to tear down these cities. Uh, and there's no accountability there uh, whatsoever. And that's the thing that we are missing in, in politics, especially right now, is there's no accountability uh, whatsoever. I know something that we were talking about in the show notes was there's a member of Katie Hobbs who got elected here as governor in Arizona, uh, a member of, of her staff, you know, tweeted out a old photo, an old uh, gif of someone holding a couple guns and says, I think Danny is, DeVito style. Yeah, very Danny DeVito style. And that's Jocelyn Berry. And she said, this is us when we see transphobes. This was after the shooting happened. Like people have zero shame whatsoever, but luckily she's resigned. That's that's what I'm hearing from people that actually um, are here in Arizona politics. They say that she's um, she's no longer um, a part of that uh, that group anymore. No, no longer a part of the uh, the Hobbs staff. And then mainstream media that we talked about before is Daily Mail ended up saying Nashville mass shooter was rejected by her Christian parents. There's no accountability. There's no personal accountability, and there's no accountability for our politicians or media members that are calling for people to take up arms. Uh, and then people probably on the other side, I know I'm going long here, is they might try Good. to bring up uh, the, the right side of the aisle. They're going to try to bring up conservatives. They're going to be like, well, what about Trump when he uh, you know, started the insurrection? We don't need to go down the, uh, the insurrection road, but just go back and look at the tapes. He asked people to... Uh, make their voices heard and do it peacefully. He wasn't calling for people to That's take right. a, take up arms uh, at that point. I was point there, there live. <laughs> I was standing in the crowd in front of him when he called on when when he said what he said. Now, would I have phrased it that way? No. And and do I think Trump uh, uses hyperbole? Yes, <laughs> nonstop, nonstop. But was he calling for vengeance? Was he calling no. for? Um, some kind of physical uh, altercation? No, you know he didn't say you would. You had to extrapolate several levels, uh, several orders, um, uh, to get to. Well, we should go break into the Capitol. Was it stupid? Yes, I was standing there when those dudes mm -hmm. were doing it. Tell them knock it off. Stop doing that. Um, but the reality is, was it of armed insurrection? Obviously not. I've said from the from day one that number one, it was stupid. You don't break pe other people's property, and you don't threaten to hurt people in protest. Mm -hmm. That is simply tyranny in another form. You can't protest tyranny with more tyranny. Yep. And at the same time, I've said that you, the, the people who broke into the Capitol, that was nothing more than mildly vandalistic tourism. That's what was going on. So for those who want to go down the road and say, well, that's what Trump said, well, first of all, I'm not here to defend Trump. Sorry, <laughs> you're going to find somebody else to do that. Second, I did hear what he said that day, and that ain't what he said. You can go watch the videos. Yep. You'll have to agree. 
not what he said. Now, we can look at what Jocelyn Berry, who was, uh, for, for the record, Arizona Democrat Katie Hobbs' uh, governor, Katie Hobbs' press secretary. Jocelyn yep. Hobbs is the press secretary of the governor of Arizona, who happens to be a Democrat. Less than 12 hours after the shooting, but it was well after the shooting, she posted this picture that you just described of a woman holding two pistols pointed at someone's chest. That's about the level that they're at. So think Danny DeVito, bang, 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 except she looks, she's got, I'm going to kill you look on your face, on her face. Yep. This is uh, from, from an old movie. And Ms. Berry, press secretary to the governor of Arizona says us when we see transphobes, as you said, as you pointed out, but I want to, I want to paint that picture very clearly. That's what we're talking about. We are talking about someone saying, now, is it hyperbole? Sure. We will grant that. Do I actually think Jocelyn wants to get two pistols and shoot me because she would label me a transphobe? I doubt it. But you'd have I to think, too, and I, I know you'd believe this, and sorry to cut you off, is like this is just after a mass shooting at a Christian right. school, and the shooter was a transgender. Like, this is not the time right. to you know, stand Clearly firm not. And, and dig your heels in and say, like, anybody that would speak out against any like, misgendering somebody or out against the transgender uh, movement at all. Like, I mean, you have to think just as you, at this point, it's, it's just like people, people have lost their mind and they have no shame, no shame no. Whatsoever. No whatsoever. We will protect this group at all costs. They don't, and they don't, and that's just stomping on the graves of these kids and these staff members uh, from this school that were brutally murdered Uh by transgender. Again, we're not painting with this broad brush, but if you're going to take this time to dig your heels in for the transgender community because you want to just protect them at all costs, even um, on top of the graves of six people, that's disgusting. And it's in a it's in the context that since early March, um, organizations and it, it's hard to tell um, exactly which of these are involved. But um, based on the tweets that they that they are posting that are publicly available, um, you have uh, the Trans Radical Activist Network, um, you have Trans Resistance Network, and these organizations are participating apparently. In something that you already mentioned, the Trans Day of Vengeance, uh, the um, promotionals, uh, the promotional material that's going out say things like, we want more than visibility, stop trans genocide, Trans Day of Vengeance. Um, this is planned in D.C. for Saturday. It'd be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, but then the Trans Radical Activist Network retreats from v VA Tran, Virginia Tran, Tennessee neighbors, when can we make this happen? And our rights DC uh, replies and uh, apparently replies and says the Trans Day of Vengeance should take place outside the Daily Wire headquarters, which I believe is in Nashville. Um, so yes, th this happened just before this was tweeted out March twenty third. That's when this discussion was happening. Now, do do we know whether or not uh, Ms. Hale saw this? No, we have no idea, and we may never know because the. Uh, manifesto is being buried, um, but it's you cannot deny the series of events, um, and you have to look at that and say, look, can you, as we said before, can you incite people, especially who are having mental difficulties, who are mentally ill, into taking actions that in their right mind they would never take? 
yes, you can. It can happen. And um, do I, you know, going down the, the rabbit trail that you mentioned, just to kind of bring it back full circle, um, does that mean Trump is responsible uh, for stirring up what actually did happen, which in no book was insurrection? Yeah. Um, vandalism to the U.S. Capitol? Uh, maybe. I would have said it differently. I would have made it more explicit. He's the president of the United States at the time. Could have mm-hmm. said it different. So, you know, do we want to weigh with the same measures there? Yes, we do. We do. Now, again, for someone to point out, to point the difference and say, you have someone who intentionally went into a school and shot three nine-year-olds. That's the same thing as breaking windows at the Capitol. I'm sorry, it's not. And those who say that, well, there are police who died. Yes, there were. None of them at the hands of a rioter. Sorry, this narrative doesn't match up. So in the sense of, are we responsible for our words? Can our words stir up actions? Sure. Eventually, yes. Now, is there a gray area? Yes, and we've acknowledged that. Um, but can you compare um, Trump and January 6th with um, the Trans Day of Vengeance and the Nashville Covenant School shooting? Pretty rough comparison to me. That doesn't work. Well, that's why this is all so rooted in critical social justice is you're, again, you're telling people that, and that's why build back better. That's a specific phrasing that's used. And I'm not saying that Biden and his administration are calling for the eradication of people that don't align or aren't allies with the LGBTQIA plus blah, 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 blah community. Uh, but what I'm saying is, is now, and I believe a lot of us are just concerned about how violent this has gotten. And then where's the violence coming from? It's coming from the left. That's just plain and simple. I, I mean, not I, the first trans shooter. Exactly. Sorry. So like we have to talk about uh, the mass shootings that have been happening. Um, and then we need to just start really talking about the depravity of man and anybody that is going to take up arms, uh, whether you're transgender or not, go to a school and shoot people. There is a foundational just disconnect here and absolute depravity and evil that is permeating through our society. And we have to think about why is this happening? And then also too, at the same time, there's a friend of mine uh, that I've done some work with in the conservative circles, Amir Odom had a fantastic post when uh, he's talking about a different perspective on school shootings. Um, Obviously, first and foremost, we are going to take time to mourn the lives that are lost. Um, it's, it's not the time I, at least I don't believe, and I don't think Amir believes that right away, you know, just start reacting and somehow this can be an advantageous move politically. You see that constantly from the right and the left. Um, there needs to be complete transparency. There needs to be accountability, but also at the same time, um, the media is trying to manipulate us because there's nearly 400 kids under the age of 16 that have been shot in Chicago within the past year and a half. However, the media insists that the lives lost in school shootings matter the most. That's not saying that any live loss is more important um, than, than another, or that we should mourn something more than another, but we have to start thinking about right now, the way that we look at mass shootings. I don't think that the reaction should be ban all guns. And when we look well, at it, I couldn't agree more. And, <laughs> but that's what starts happening is you see from the right and the left, they start um, making some points. Some people might actually, I know this is something we, we disagree on 
um, a little bit here is I truly believe, and I know this is a very controversial statement, but if we get back to some of the beginning of our talks here and our dialogue is if we truly believe that transgenderism is gender dysphoria and gender dysphoria is a mental illness, scientifically, that is what we believe for a long time until recently that it could be hijacked and politicized. And we actually do agree on that. Yeah, that I do not believe that someone that identifies as transgender should be able to purchase a firearm. I, I know that's something that gets into, you know, red flag laws. And I, I'm still, still, I'm, I'm saying like there needs to be more research I do into that. But I think if we just start with the, if it's a mental illness and it's debilitating and potentially puts that person, first and foremost, I feel like there's transgenders are a harm to themselves because we're seeing the suicide rate and it's, it's depressing. It is, it's so difficult to see the data and try to digest that because they're killing themselves. And then from there, what happens when they start maybe taking things out on uh, parents that don't uh, agree with them, groups that don't agree with them? You have the Transgender Day uh, of Vengeance. Again, I'm not painting with this broad brush, but there is a weaponization that's happening here. And I think if someone isn't in their right mind, why should they be allowed to purchase a firearm. I know that's a very, very controversial thing. And I, and I say that with all, all grace, it's humanly possible. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to discuss it. Um, and I'm sure the, uh, the, the censors are going to be, uh, on high alert and, and I say, go for it. Um, so th when, when we break down what, how does possession of firearms or how do possession of firearms and mental illness interact? Mm -hmm. um, now, red flag is what comes up. And so it's important yeah. to understand this. And, and I know there's something you probably understand, is, so we'll, just, we'll lay it out uh, for our listeners. And on background, as, as many of you know, I spent, have spent 25 years actually working in gun rights politics. Um, and so um, red flag became um, a... a topic of discussion in uh, the early 2010s. Um, that's when we first really started seeing that California was one of the first to pass it. And they call them extreme protection orders or EPOs. That was the pre-red flag name. It's the same thing. And what it means is we're going to go beyond uh, Western jurisprudence, which for, yeah, you could say easily hundreds of years, probably about a thousand years, honestly haven't gone back to Alfred and the Book of Dooms on this question. Um, but you can go back to the basis for Western law, which is the Bible, and make a very firm argument, very solid argument, that someone who is actively endangering their own life or uh, the lives of others, or is very close to doing so, and it can be, can be proven in court, um, can be deprived of their ability to carry out those designs. Um, that's something that has always existed. It exists to this day, and all 50 states have had laws, the, such laws on the books since they became states. Many of them had s similar laws when they were British or Dutch or French colonies. Um, and the, the defining element there is that it must be proven before anyone can de be deprived of, especially in this case, their right to possess the necessary tools for self-defense it has to be proven that they, there is very good reason to believe they are about to abuse or misuse. We're not actually, and, and Western jurisprudence has never supported um, 
preemptive law enforcement, preemptive uh, penalties for something that you might do. Um, the only, um, the only uh, place where, where you see that starting to happen is when someone is threatening it, and that is what a mental illness is. Mm-hmm. A mental illness becomes a threat to carry out. Whether or not it's made and how it's made uh, is the stuff of that court proceeding. Eventually, you have to have a proceeding, and under uh, historic Western jurisprudence, and in most states still today, you have to demonstrate, and there has to be an actual uh, court proceeding in which you have the opportunity to defend yourself, and then a decision is made. Um, That's something that I support, always have, always will. That's not what red flag uh, gun confiscation is, as I'm sure you know. That is an ex parte hearing in which you, you don't have to be president. And the way most red flag laws are written, um, it can be uh, based on an anonymous tip. You don't even have to have a witness. You don't have to have evidence. You just mm-hmm. have to have someone saying, I'm afraid this person might do X. And then um, a judge says, okay, take their guns away, and their guns are gone. Now, that is not due process. So the yep. problem isn't depriving someone who is a legitimate or maybe a legitimate um, danger to themselves or to others of their rights. The problem is a lack of due process. Um, and so then when we get into the discussion of this is how due process works, that's where I think that the gender dysphoria argument falls apart. Because historically, and maybe this could change, but historically gender dysphoria dysphoria. Um, is not a dangerous um, mental illness. It, it, it has become more dangerous as we've encouraged people that if you even have a slight twinge, you should go cut your private parts off. Yep. That's, that's what we're told again and again and again and again and again. In fact, you have people referring to, in the context of the Nashville shooting, the fact that, Na- that uh, Tennessee had passed legislation prohibiting the genital mutilation of minors. Now, and we, we're not even going to get into that argument, but the discussion, the, the, the retort from um, everybody from media pundits to other leftists has been, well, obviously, the state just absolutely just denied health care for trans people. Well, I'm sorry, mutilating the genitals of a minor is not health care in any world. Well, it isn't one. In the world where abortion, where killing a child is health care, I guess mutilating their body could be healthcare as well. But that is the mockery that we're making. Now, so I, when you laid it out, you know, we had a quick discussion before we started. Hey, what do you think about this? And I told you, I think I might disagree. I do disagree. Um, but I understand where you're coming from in the sense, and this is where I think it would have to go. You, you have to demonstrate in court that this person actually is contemplating and has intent to do serious bodily harm to themselves or to others with a firearm yeah, or and that, with that weapon. And that's why, and I can always appreciate, that's what's great when people are going to end up watching this. They're like, wow, there's uh, conservatives disagreeing. Like, we disagree quite a bit at times. Like, there's plenty of honest and fruitful dialogue that we have because you're going to understand gun laws and red flag laws and everything that uh, comes under the Second Amendment more than I do. So I have a lot of, hey, this is what I think, this is my opinion. I, I'm not a legislator over here, and I don't pretend to know as much as you or uh, anybody else in, in that field, but I think it's an important discussion that probably should be had by legislators thinking, at what point um, do we think a certain mental disorder that needs to be defined as well, and I, I know trying to do a, a ton of research about what they define as a mental disorder now, when does that lead to potential, again, first thing I worry about is harm for themselves, 
and then harm for others. And if we can have an honest discussion um, about that, uh, I think it's another thing uh, in a litany of things that we need to talk about actual solutions because I think all these things come down to is there's so many thoughts and prayers. And I think prayer is unbelievably powerful as Christian men. We understand that uh, we mourn with those who mourn. And I know God's heart breaks um, for these Christians here. And, but we need to get to the point that's not just, okay, no, um, well, we have our guns and we're on the side shall not be infringed. And then we're on, uh, and then we're on this other side. That's like, we need to ban all guns and then nothing happens, um, at all. Right. Like we're not getting to the roots of right. anything. Like what's, what's going on with the destruction of the family? What's going on with the depravity in our society? What about media and elites and others that are trying to militarize all these tribal groups, uh, if, for lack of a better phrase, just call them that, um, these identity groups, and whether it's politically, whether it's sexual identity, whatever it may be, you're starting to weaponize these groups that think they need to take uh, justice into their own hands. They need to be judge, jury, and executioner, and that is the best way to fight back. That's what they're being told. Um, because uh, the fear tactic from the left is unbelievably effective. That's why I think a lot of people, I don't, we don't need to go down this road. I know this is kind of a little bit of a rabbit trail, but people are wondering, you know, why was there no red wave? You know, why did uh, Republicans seem to not do as well as we thought they, they would? It's because the left, their fear tactics are unbelievably effective. And when you have people like the Young Turks that are telling LGBTQ and specifically transgenders to start um, buying guns because of the imminent threat of violent right-wingers, it's going to lead to potentially things like this. I hope we're able to find a way forward and stop these things. But I think another way to stop it, too, is don't just slap on gun-free zone at a school, which basically just says there's going to be nobody there to, to stop you uh, performing a horrific act and taking the lives of innocent people. You know, the, that is the key difference. It is about self-defense. And firearms used in defense are good. Mm -hmm. Firearms used to attack people are bad. Okay, and, and that is a reality. But it's not about the firearm, is it? It's about the action. It's about are we defending innocent life with proportionate use of force? Or are we attacking? Yep. And that is the problem. That is exactly the problem. Um, the refusal of the left to talk, to even want to talk about, to be willing to talk about mental illness and societal, um, the unhinging of society from what we know is good and right and true. Um, and instead, a forced discussion on, well, the person had a gun. They had a gun. And that's what was bad. The reason this happened is because they had two guns. They had three guns. There were three guns. Yeah. Well, Okay, the shooter was carrying three guns in this case. Is that really the problem? The police who arrived were bristling. They were bristling incredible, absolute Thank heroes. God. I know you brought up the yes. uh, the video footage. Uh, oh man! Uh, right within 14 minutes, there was a 911 call. They were there and they yeah. took out the shooter. Ab and then what they said: heroes. "We're not standing outside the building." Yep. Yeah, specifically addressed the problem. And Especially there's, there's when problem. Uh, you had the Texas school shooting where, you know, they, right. they just sat outside. Exactly. Like, here, these guys, right. absolute yep. heroes, went in, acted, uh, put their lives on the line, and could have saved countless staff members and children. What they school. did, without question. 
without question. The the history of mass shootings, this is something that is a horrible part of my job, having to be uh, intimately um, uh, acquainted with the details of mass shootings um, every time, every time. And I've been acquainted with them for as, nearly as long as I've been conscious um, because that is a focal point for the gun rights, gun control debate. And so I can tell you <laughs> with with a lot of detail how how these shootings go down it is it, there are a lot of repeated realities and one of the constants is the longer the responders wait the more people die hands down period end of discussion now at columbine um when that uh, shooting took place in the early 2000s um police you, you, could, you could be excused there hadn't been very many mass shootings um, they didn't quite know what to do. They didn't know if it would be worse if they went in. There was some discussion, and so that is why it remains one of the worst school shootings in American history. Mm-hmm. One of my close friends was there that day. He knew Clybold and Harris, the shooters. Wow. He w- went to the, some of the same classes with them. He did not happen to be in the same room. Uh, this is a man that I've worked with in past. He is a former state legislator, just retired, um, and uh, he's an outstanding dude. Um so we have eyewitnesses for what that was like. I have personal um, context, and then I have all the study that's there. That kind of standing around and waiting hasn't happened since since then until Uvalde. Uvalde, they went back to it, and that was the problem. Um, you, we could argue about um, uh, some of the Florida stuff as well, um, but not in the same way, not, not the way it happened in Uvalde. And so that's why that was so egregious. That's also why... Um, you have the deepest respect for the um, uh, the MNPD uh, officers who ran towards the shots. You hear that you heard that in the news. You could hear uh, I heard it multiple times that day. They ran towards the shots, but I didn't get to see it until uh, they released the body cam footage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've trained um, in some of those situations where you're clearing the building, and they went through the protocol until they heard the shooting. They didn't continue clearing, which is fantastic training and fantastic action. They immediately stopped trying to clear rooms on the first floor and ran to the second floor um, and saving countless lives. But this is, this whole discussion is why it is so counterproductive for anyone to say, well, the only thing we can talk about is whether or not we have guns, whether or not guns are available. Well, on the face of it, Let's say gun control works. They haven't. It hasn't been proven to work anywhere. There are situations where people can't get guns, but that is true everywhere. And in those situations where people can't get guns, they use knives. <laughs> 40, 50 people have been killed in mass knife attacks. They use uh, moving vans driving into crowded uh, into crowds. In, Look in what happened events. at Waukesha. Exactly. Yeah. So, and it's happened here in the states. It's happened in other places. It's not about the weapon. It's laughable that we that we would claim that Biden would stand up and after telling about ten minutes of jokes, after telling ten minutes of jokes, including ice cream and yucking it up. Okay, now we're going to talk about uh, Nashville. We're all very sad about it, and about three breaths. And now, what's the solution? Well, we got to pass my assault weapons ban, says Biden. It's laughable, and then we also talk about uh, it's insulting red flag. too. It's just, it, I mean, way yes. past the way yes. past the jokes. It's insulting for uh, people to hear constantly Biden after sending 
$75 billion to Ukraine, that there's nothing we can do legislatively or monetarily to right. a- Effect, to harden schools? change. Um, no. Make them hard like, targets? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, we're going to hire 87,000 IRS agents, but no way. We're not going to make sure that we can help out the veterans and people that have served our country, maybe serve our country at, at schools. No, we'd much rather have 87,000 IRS agents than 87,000 armed, trained servicemen and women at these schools to protect these kids. Because we know, again, like going back to... Um, what the Nashville security office said, they said the murderer from this shooting um, mentioned a different target, but based on the threat assessment, there was too much security. Like we have to get down to the solutions here. And if we're going to make any sort of legislation, there needs to be more security at these schools. If we see, uh, obviously there's, we don't want to have murderers get their hands on guns. At all. Like, we're going to do whatever we possibly can. We know a lot of mass shootings. It might not have happened through legal means. But what can we do at these these schools is we can make them more secure. And there's plenty of people looking for work, and there's plenty of money that should be going around to make sure that we can support these schools and these kids. But you have these politicians on right and left that have decided we're going to spend money on this. I'm going to virtue signal here. And there, nothing's being done. It constantly is this revolving door that we either need to get rid of guns or thou shalt not infringe, uh, like it's a extra commandment. And obviously, we want to protect ourselves because we're protecting ourselves against tyranny. Our founding fathers understood that. But can we just get to the root of these issues? We need to make yeah. our schools more secure. It's just not happening. And it's way past laughable. It is unbelievably insulting on all sides of the aisle. Agreed. I appreciate you uh, tuning up my language a little bit there. That is a much better way of putting it. The retort is uh, that, well, we don't want our schools to be prisons. (laughs) Wait a minute. You you want to pass laws um, which say that everyone has Mm -hmm. to turn in their guns, and that's what we admit, which means you're going to go after millions and millions of people and turn them into criminals and send people with guns to their houses to take away their guns. And if anyone says that, well, guns are there for tyranny, what's Biden's retort? You can't fight back against F-16s and nukes. Oh, is that what we're doing? We're using F-16s and nukes on Americans now? Is that is that what we're saying? But, oh, my goodness, we couldn't possibly uh, hire someone who loves working at this school uh, like like the custodian who was killed, Mr. Hill. Yep. He, he absolutely loved his family, said he loved working there, and if he— the clear inference was that if there was some place that he had to be killed trying to take care of kids, he would have. That's what he wanted. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't. Not that he wanted to die, and no one said that. But they clearly inferred that that he, he would have been happy to lay his life down. Yeah, and I think that's just so. Why do we not hire people who have the training? Hire the people who who have that attitude. Why wouldn't we do that? And that's exactly what as as we start wrapping up here is. There needs to be real solutions. And then also, too, when um, we speak specifically to Christians, just even look at the custodian, would just be happy to lay down his life and was just at the service of these kids at a fantastic school. Um, And you see even some news that, you know, it's just, it's unbelievably sad to hear about um, Chad Scruggs, who lost his daughter, and uh, a video that's going around that just will bring a tear to everybody's eyes. Um, 
talking about Jesus as death conqueror. Was speaking about that at, at church weeks ago. And uh, obviously, this is not our home as Christians, and we need to be good stewards of, of what we're provided, and we need to do whatever we possibly can to be protecting our kids mentally, physically, and spiritually. And when that's not being done, you know, Christians aren't taking up arms to make sure that action happens. They're doing whatever they possibly can to make sure that we are rooted in the Word, and we are rooted in the truth, and we're rooted in grace and love. But at this, at this point, too, we need to make sure that we are solidified as Christians, knowing that we will not just be under attack online from some keyboard warriors. There's attacks like this that happen. I hope, I hope this doesn't happen more, but just plain and simple, this was a hate crime against Christians. And I, I hope it wasn't a start of something we're going to see more. And this is not a fear tactic um, at all, but I think we need to be more solidified as Christians to know that we will be under attack in every single sense of, right. of the word. And the best way to fight back is with the truth. We're not fighting back violence with violence here. And that's what I think a lot of people are trying to say that, um, oh, watch out, watch out. These, these right-wing Christians, all they're right. going to do is they're, they're going to take you out. It's like, no, we are, we are. When has that ever happened? That's not happening. So that's, but that's what happens. They, they build up this, this fear to think, you know what, you need to take action into your own hands or don't even dialogue with these people. Um, they are immediately hateful. And that's, that's the last thing I'll say there is, um, as, as Christians, we, we love the transgender community um, because we know that's that right. we, um, we are born in, in God's image and made in God's image, just like anybody else. And we want you to know the truth. Uh, and this goes for anybody, whether you're a part of the LGBTQ community, um, whether you're someone that is um, prone to any sort of violence at all, there is rebirth that needs to happen. And that can only happen through Jesus Christ. And there is going to be evil that's going to permeate our in our society forever, for as long as as long as we're alive. But if we can even save one person away from a dangerous ideology, or from a idea that vi- vengeance is or violence is the answer, I think we we've lived a good life. You know, the the ultimate answer to the question is, of course, always multifaceted. Um, it is in the midst of this tragedy and this level of sorrow, which touches close to home for me, um, to see someone like the custodian, Mr. Hill, laying, willing to lay down his life. I don't know how what the situation of his death was. We also see uh, a nine-year-old, uh, Evelyn Dykehill, or Dykehouse, uh, running into the hallway to pull the fire alarm, and that's something else that just blew me away at watching the body cam footage. The fire alarm is wailing. Mm-hmm. That's not normal. That doesn't usually happen in a shooting. The reason it is is because Levelin ran out there and pulled the fire alarm to to help her her friends, to help the people who were there, and was shot doing it. That level of now, did she know it exactly? We don't know exactly what she what she knew, what she didn't know, and we we never will until um, we get to heaven. Um, but it's it's pretty obvious any thinking individual is going to know. Yeah, don't run into the hallway when there's a shooter out there. Yeah, and so that's that's what we see. We see people willing to lay down their lives to help others. 
Um, this is what it means to act like a Christian. Doesn't matter whether or not you're professing Christian. It does. This is what it means. And those who would violate that and who would take uh, evil action are not acting in accordance to God's word. Mm-hmm. There is that's that's the beauty of uh, an immutable standard. You can look at it and say. The problem is that we have all kinds of solutions that are being proposed, like red flag gun confiscation. We mentioned California's had it since 2016. The reality is that they've had 19 mass shootings since it was passed, 95 people reported dead. It's not working. It's not working. But here's the further reality. California has had over 8,000 homicides in that same time period. In fact, a little bit less because we don't have the full numbers yet for 21 and 22 um, for homicides, what we do for mass shootings. Um, that is a shocking difference, a shocking difference, and ever, n- n- no one can point to it and say, well, see, look how dangerous these mass shootings are. They're horrific. They catch attention. But to say that we're going to solve America's violence problems by passing a red flag gun confiscation, which does, by the way, disarm law-abiding people so that we are unable to defend uh, innocent life, that's what it does do, mm-hmm. and everyone knows it. Same with the assault weapons ban. The Department of Justice has admitted numerous times that it did zero good, that it did not benefit anyone. So we need to focus on what actually will fix the problem, which is exactly what you laid out, John. It's exactly the reality. There is no way around it until we acknowledge that, you know what, Western jurisprudence does have it figured out, at least to a certain level, that the way laws have worked in... uh, America as the fruit, as the beneficiary of that kind of that tradition has brought unprecedented liberty and freedom. Are there problems? Yes. Are there things to be fixed? Yes. Do you fix that by violence? No, not by initiating it. Um, the importance of being able to defend yourself has never been more important, never been uh, more important in America, perhaps. At least it feels that way. It's probably an overstatement, in, in but our, it is very, in our lifetime, very important. Certainly in our lifetime. Very, very important. Equally important is the knowledge of what exactly does that mean. And if you do not know what it means to defend yourself, if you think defending yourself means I need to go shoot that guy before he shoots me, or I need to strike out, I need to strike out against someone, that is appalling. That is the appalling level. That is the problem. That was the problem on January 6th, even though it is tremendously overblown by the left. That was the problem. It is the problem here. And the... The return to understanding, hey, these questions have been answered, and they've been answered really well, and it's all there, and you can just go read about it. It's not even hard. Try, seriously, try Googling and going to Wikipedia. A lot of it is there. John, I really appreciate your time today. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time.